0: DUAL CITIZEN, THE CONNECTION, CHAPTER TWO "'Trace,' Vera asked from the kitchen, "'what are you doing?' It was Sunday afternoon, and she was making a cake for her boy. His name was Tremell, but Vera decided Tracy was easier than explaining his name to everyone. Besides, Vera loved Dick Tracy, the primary colors, his fedora and understated manner." "'Everyone in West Virginia also had at least three names "'depending on who was talking to or about you "'and their relationship to you. "'Vera, Tracy, and his little brother Freddie lived in Rand, "'which was just up the river from Charleston. "'Granny and Moody lived by the end of Starling Drive "'near the high school, "'where they had raised their two girls, Vera and Ginny. "'Now Ginny lived five houses down from Granny.' Vera lived at the other end of Starling Drive, nine blocks away, which was just far enough to keep her mother slightly out of her hair. By this time, Vera was married to Big Freddy, Tracy's little brother's father, and they lived across the street from Little Freddy's grandparents. Little Tracy stood with his nose to the glass storm door and pouted. It was a beautiful spring day, and little Freddie was playing in front of his grandparents' house with his run cousins. Tracy was just home from the hospital and felt fine. In fact, he was better than fine, because the tall, shiny silver figure had changed everything. As if to prove it, Oh, Happy Day came out. Tracy turned three in the April of 1969, and Oh, Happy Day was the new gospel hit. It played on the radio on their way home from the hospital, and little Tracy began to glow, because it wasn't the first time he heard it. "'You have the same music here!' Tracy screamed, and he sang at the top of his lungs without missing a beat. "'How in the world do you know all the words?' Vera asked. "'I heard it while we were reading the book,' Tracy said carefully. "'What book?' Moody asked. Just turn it up, Papa, Tracy yelled. But the music wasn't as loud as when Tracy heard it in the highest. There it resounded and went through everything. The music was sent while Tracy was with the tall, shiny silver figure. Now that it was made manifest, the song was confirmation for Tracy. His experience was real. He was real. Vera was astounded as her healed boy sang and practically danced out of her lap. Moody got the 45 RPM the next day, and Tracy couldn't get enough. When Moody came home from work, Tracy begged his pawpaw to play it. Tracy made him turn the stereo console as loud as it would go, and stood right in front at ear level. Then... Little Tracy got happy as he danced and hugged the gold-weaved fabric of the speakers. It wasn't the same as in the highest, but Tracy knew the tall, shiny silver figure had given him the best birthday present ever. But right now Tracy stood at the glass storm door, and his pawpaw wouldn't be home for hours. "'I asked you a question, little man,' Vera continued. "'Nothing,' the boy muttered. Tracy looked outside and settled farther into his pout. It was midday, he couldn't go out and play, and he was definitely not happy. "'What are you here for?' he asked, and only Tracy heard him. Tracy was sure he heard him, but he didn't see him. Tracy knew it was the tall, shiny silver figure, but there was no light. Tracy looked around carefully— and turned his little self all the way around to be sure. Then he looked back out the window, because now he wasn't sure. "'What are you here for?' he asked again. Tracy didn't bother to look this time, because it was definitely his friend. His voice was as clear and normal as anyone's, and Tracy felt him standing right behind him. Tracy thought his voice was at the right height, too. The tall, shiny, silver figure smiled when he heard that, and Tracy felt his smile. The tall, shiny, silver figure asked a third time, What are you here for? Tracy didn't understand the question, but knew he wanted an answer. Then Tracy remembered the picture book. I don't know, Tracy said out loud. What am I here for? Vera heard her little man. You okay, Trace? There was no answer. Then Vera heard Tracy talking again and getting excited, so she stuck her head out of the kitchen. Who are you talking to, Tracy? Vera asked. I'm just talking with my imaginary friend, Tracy answered. Vera smiled and thought, What three year old child doesn't have an imaginary friend? What does that mean? Tracy asked aloud, and Vera listened. She had never actually heard her boy talk with his imaginary friend, and Tracy's side of the conversation seemed perfectly normal. Some people thought it was healthy, Vera reasoned, and Tracy had mentioned his imaginary friend before. Ever since he could talk, Tracy knew when the phone was going to ring. He would tell his mom or granny, and the phone always rang. The previous Thanksgiving... Vera's two-and-a-half-year-old unexpectedly came into the kitchen. He made the pronouncement the phone would ring, but this time he had more details. "'Mama,' Tracy said. "'Yes, baby,' and Vera turned from her dishes. "'My friend told me to tell you the phone is going to ring, and that it will be Granny. She will ask to borrow a cup of salt.' Vera was taken aback, and then she was bewildered. You mean a cup of sugar, don't you, sweetie? No, Tracy corrected. He said salt. And he went back to his playroom. Before Vera could turn back to the sink, the phone rang. Hey, baby girl, Granny said. You got a cup of salt I could borrow? I'm brining a turkey and I'm a little short. Now, since Tracy returned home from the hospital, things were more different. As Tracy stood and looked out the glass door. Vera heard her toddler get more animated until he almost shouted. "'I don't understand,' little Tracy said. "'You want me to demonstrate the love walk? What's the love walk?' Vera dropped what she was doing. Tracy heard the mixing bowl spin on the kitchen floor as she ran through the dining room. Vera scooped little Tracy up under her arm and pushed through the front door. She ran directly across the street, yelling at little Freddie and his cousins to get inside. When she burst into the house, Freddie's grandfather woke up ready for a fight. But he was too drunk to roll out of his recliner, let alone hit anything. Freddie's grandmother was in the kitchen cooking up a storm as usual. She was startled by Vera's speed as she grabbed the phone, still holding little Tracy under her arm. "'Lock the doors!' Vera screamed and she was shaking. The kids came in while Freddie's grandmother held the door open, and she looked up and down the street to see what was on fire or from which direction the tornado was coming. Get inside, Vera instructed, and get the kids together. Tracy pulled his mom's sleeve as the phone kept ringing. Mom, Tracy tried. It's okay. He's really nice. Hush, young man, she scolded because that statement made it worse. Vera motioned for little Freddy, who came over, and she placed Tracy between her feet next to him. The cousins collected around their grandmother, and no one said anything. Finally, someone answered the phone. You gotta get down here right away, Vera pleaded. The boys heard Papa's voice on the other end, and Moody heard the terror in his daughter's voice. I don't know where he came from. Vera exclaimed. All I know was Trace was standing in the living room, just looking out the storm door. I distinctly heard him talking to someone, a, a man, I guess, and Tracey got agitated. Then Trace said something about demonstrating the love walk. Which was all Moody needed to hear. The next thing Trace remembered was his grandfather and neighbors arriving at Freddie's grandparents' house carrying shotguns. Moody brought the German Shepherd, Collie, and whatever mixed-breed dog they had at the time. Once Moody checked on Vera and the kids, the mob went across the street to search Vera's house with the dogs. When they didn't find anything, they left to hunt the area. As folks found out, more guns and dogs gathered. Soon the entire neighborhood was involved. The search was an odd thing, which added to the urgency. The group systematically scoured block after block, looking for the pervert who tried to get Vera's innocent boy to demonstrate the love walk. When they thought about it, nobody knew exactly what the phrase meant, but no matter, they knew it was disgusting. Late in the afternoon, the mob escorted the kids to Granny's house. By this time, Granny, Vera, and Jinny had made dinner for the posse. By evening... Vera's two boys, Jinny's two girls, and the neighbor's kids were corralled in the living room while the men did a final sweep. The kids were relatively safe under the guard of Uncle Squeaky, Jinny's husband at the time. Because of the severity of the situation, he only knocked out two beers by dinner time instead of a six-pack. Besides, Granny and her girls knew how to handle their guns. Tracy, the intended victim, realized everything happened because of him. From then on, Tracy decided to keep the tall, shiny silver figure a secret. Tracy wasn't about to let his new friend get him in trouble again, so the toddler tried to get rid of him. Tracy's babysitter noticed the change when he began hitting his head against the wall. "'Why are you doing that?' she asked. Tracy knew better than to answer, but he was trying to get his voice out of his head. It was most severe when adults told Tracy to do something that wasn't correct. Tracy got mad because the voice told him the truth, but the adults wouldn't hear of it. They couldn't understand, so Tracy hit his head against the wall. Little Tracy's nickname became Boomer, which morphed into boomy Doo. When Tracy didn't stop, Vera secretly phoned Tracy's father in Ohio. Is there anything along your family lines I should know about? Vera asked, and she explained how Tracy's behavior had changed since he had come back from the hospital. Ask Tracy what his friend's name is, his father said. Trace, Vera shouted. Tracy appeared. What is your imaginary friend's name? He didn't tell me what his name is, Tracy said. I am... Your friend, the tall, shiny silver figure said to Tracy. He just said he was my friend, Tracy told his mom. Hello, everyone. Tracy here. I hope you're enjoying my story. We'll let you know how to support this podcast later. But for now, the best thing you can do is follow us and share it with your friends and family. So if you like what you're hearing, Please help us out by telling people about it. And thanks again. Then, not long after the Love Walk incident, things changed for Vera. She decided that she had had enough of Big Freddy's father and his drinking. Vera also couldn't shake her thoughts of Little Freddy's grandmother, who was always in the kitchen cooking and eating, and Vera didn't want to end up like that. So this was the second time and second child Vera had with someone that didn't work out. There were a lot of complications with Tracy's father. A lot had to do with Granny, and a lot had to do with how young they were at the time. Vera married little Freddie's father because she had two boys and nowhere to keep them, much like why Moody married Granny. It worked for a while, but the more Vera saw Freddie's family— Vera decided she would rather be by herself. Two boys were better than three, she reasoned. So Vera divorced the biggest one, and it didn't take long. Vera was still a young, beautiful woman in her twenties, even with her kids. The next summer she took her boys to a family reunion to see their cousins on Little Freddy's side. In no time, Big Freddy's cousin Bobby approached Vera at the barbecue. Vera was charmed and Vera and Bobby were together for the next eighteen years. But little Tracy watched the new couple carefully. He felt murky forces trying to squirm themselves into his life. Demons desperately wanted to edit the picture book, and Tracy knew it. Tracy also recognized the darkness because he had been with the light. Since he had met the tall, shiny silver figure, Tracy felt light and dark immediately, and Bobby had deep shadows. Nevertheless, Vera and Bobby married within the year. The newlyweds moved to Washington, D.C., which was exciting for Vera. To her, the city was a chance for fashion and marvelous parties. It was also a fresh start and far away from the confines of West Virginia. Like Moody, Bobby was a mechanic, but that's where the similarity ended. Bobby worked for the city and drove a cab on the weekends for extra money. Vera found secretarial work because the family immediately grew by one. Bobby had a son from a previous marriage. He was a few years older than Tracy and came over every other weekend. The new family lived in a high-rise in southeast D.C. It wasn't the best neighborhood, but it wasn't the worst. Tracy had never seen so many annoying kids— but little Freddy thrived. There were enormous stairways to race up and down, and Freddy could visit his buds down the hall, whether it rained or not. But Tracy couldn't get over so much busyness, noise, and concrete. To him, even the trees seemed sad. The trees in West Virginia were glorious, and his pawpaw was far away. Worst of all, Tracy now lived with Bobby and his darkness. But once they got settled the next thing Vera knew it was the first day of school. She got to the schoolyard early to pick Tracy up, and with so many kids in such a steep grade, the grass didn't have a chance. A very tall, caramel-colored woman stood next to Vera with her arms crossed. Her demeanor was steady, and she stood in running pants, a gym jacket, and immaculate sneakers. Most remarkably— The woman hummed a bright tune, totally unconcerned, if anyone could hear. "'Is this your first one?' the woman asked with a warm Carolina accent. Vera turned and let out a little laugh. "'Yes,' she answered. "'Why, yes it is.' The two immediately relaxed because they both spoke country, which was so much easier than the guarded speech of their citified counterparts. It also meant they probably had a lot in common.' ''I'll get used to it,'' the woman said. ''I suppose I will, anyway. Sending them out into the world.'' And she looked at Vera. ''This is my first one as well,'' and she picked up her humming tune. The bell rang, and the children burst into the yard, yelling as they fell down the hill. ''My name is Rosetta,'' and the woman reached out. ''I'm Vera,'' and they shook hands. Vera almost stepped back from the force of Rosetta's shake And then she laughed. "'It's strange to think I'm here already.' "'I know, sugar,' Rosetta crooned in her sing-songy way. "'Don't I know?' And she shook her head and patted Vera on the back. The mothers looked for their kids some more. Vera sighed before she looked at Rosetta carefully. She really needed that pat on the back, and she was grateful. "'You know,' Vera said, "'I don't know why.' But I feel I know you. Rosetta just smiled and looked at Vera as she hummed, which returned the sentiment. But it's more than that, Vera continued. I think we're going to be good friends. I was just thinking the same thing, Shug. And Rosetta really meant her excitement. I've been asking for someone when I've been in my prayer closet, and I think it's you. And Vera laughed. It's been a while since I've had anyone to really talk to, "'You know, besides my husband,' Vera admitted. "'And he don't talk at all, does he?' Rosetta said. And Vera laughed more. "'You know I'm right. I got one home the same way. "'In fact, he's so tight-lipped, I can't even say what he does for a living.' And Rosetta laughed, too. "'They actually hired him for it!' And Vera was in hysterics. "'It's just no way to live, Vera,' Rosetta concluded. "'But Jesus listens.' Vera turned and stopped her laugh. "'He really does, doesn't he?' And Vera marveled at Rosetta. "'Let me give you a hug, sugar,' Rosetta said, and put her tall self all around Vera for a hug that meant everything. "'And you should call me Ro.' Vera felt like crying because she was so relieved. She knew she had a friend. No, a sister. And Rosetta knew it, too.' Then it was Roe who laughed as they separated. "'Do you know what I see over yonder?' Roe asked. Vera looked across the schoolyard. Her boy was giggling with a tall girl from his class. It was the first time since they had moved to D.C. that Vera saw Tracy laugh with anyone but his brother. Then Vera noticed the way Roe looked at her boy and the little girl. "'Is that your daughter?' Vera asked. "'I know you know it is.' Rose said with a lilt. Vera laughed again, but it hurt a little this time. Then Vera realized she hadn't really laughed in a long time, and a lot of the past few years fell off her. "'That's him, isn't it?' Rose said. "'That's your little one carrying on with mine.' "'I know you know it is,' Vera said, and slapped Rose on the back this time. "'That's my little man, Tracy, and he's finally looking happy.' Rose stopped laughing and looked at Vera. It was a sudden change, but Vera knew it too. Rosetta took Vera's hand as mothers, as comrades, and they faced each other. Now, Sug, Rose said, you know we're going to take care of them together, just you and me, even if there's nobody else in the room but Jesus. Vera was truly going to cry. I'm serious, sugar," Rose said. Your boy is my boy, and my girl is your girl, and we're going to get through this, all of this. And Roe passed her hand at the fenced-in dirt and the bleaker school behind. All Vera could do was open her arms for another one of Roe's fabulously tall hugs, which she got. I'm serious, girl, Roe repeated. We're going to be all right, and we're going to laugh and cry all the way through whenever we need to and Rose stepped back from her hug. And speaking of our little angels, here they come. The children came at their mothers in a dead heat and had to catch their breath when they arrived. Mommy, Mommy, the little girl yelled. This is my new friend, she panted. His name is Tracy. I know, Shug, Rose said, and bent down and kissed her girl on the cheek. Vera scooped up her little boy, gave him a big hug, and held him back to ask. And who's your new friend, little man? Vera asked. But Tracy just giggled. The little girl jumped up and down. My name is Tori, she yelled, and Tracy and I are really good friends. I see that, Vera said, and kissed Tracy on his forehead before she set him down next to Tori. Now, Tori, you call me Aunt Vera, she said, and Vera put her hand out and Tori shook it. Then Rose scooped Tracy up, which took him by surprise because she was so tall. His new mother also had music in her, and she practically glowed with a pure silver light. And I'm your mama, Rose, Rose said. And me and your mom are really good friends, too.